Hey everybody, welcome to the show. My guest today is The Midnight. They're a synthwave duo who have built a huge following on YouTube with their dedication to the sounds and the looks and the feelings of the 1980s. If you go on YouTube and look up their videos, you'll find not only the videos that they've made, but also videos that fans have made using their songs and clips from 80s movies. Their new album, Monsters, which is out now, really pushes the boundaries of the synthwave genre. There's a lot of cool new sounds and percussion on this album, and we really got into both the nostalgia side of their music and how they actually put it together. The first voice you'll hear is Tyler Lyle, who's the singer-songwriter, and the second voice is Tim McEwen, who's the producer and instrumentalist. So here it is, episode 34 with The Midnight. guys have the new album out monsters tell me about making this album and what you wanted to achieve with the sound initially we had a, a record called kids that that we wanted to kind of tell the story of growing up it coincided with with me actually having a kid um and so our our time together was pretty limited with that record and we sort of lowered our conceit of of our ambitions um from one record to, to three so the, this record, Monsters, is kind of the second part of, of the kids' story. Um, this one was made mainly on, on the road. We, we played a lot of, of dates last year. That Last year was kind of our first major year of touring. And so, yeah, most of Just it was... why we look so tired. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is the continuation of kids. Uh, it's kind of the more adolescent, more horizontal kind of friction with, with other people. You know, isolation versus... Um, you know, diving headfirst into love, these sorts of questions that, that come up in, in adolescence. And how much do you guys draw on your own high school, middle school experience when you're putting these songs together? Uh, I, I would say a lot. Uh, prom, prom night, like I, I very much remember my junior prom going uh, with this girl named Allison, who was a cheerleader and she was way out of my league. And she said yes, inexplainably or inexplicably. And she wore these like long pink gloves. And I remember this moment, like we were making eye contact and she was like, she looked at me and I noticed her looking at me in that kind of way. And so I was like, should I hold her hand? And so, yeah, totally. Like these, these are, these are all little snippets of, of my life and Tim's life and, and all of our lives. I think these things are kind of universal. So so we try and speak to sort of the universality of, of, of youth and growing up. Now yeah, it's fun. Oh, I was just gonna tag on to what just uh, what Tyler was saying. It's 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 funny in my experience generally the more specific you are, the more universal you are because everyone has been they might not have been in that specific situation, but the truth there's truth in it and it speaks to everyone. So generally uh, you draw from your own sort of little vivid memories, but then it becomes universal in its translation. That's been sort of my experience. Anyway. Now, Tim, you're, you're the production whiz, the architect of the sound, so to speak. I want this on my tombstone, by the way. Yeah. The yeah. architect of the sound. Good. I watched an interview, interview you guys did last year. And Tim, you mentioned that you don't do a deep dive into eighties music. You don't like analyze, what people did, but how do you go about creating sounds that are accurate? 
that sound like they're from the time? I, I don't really think about it <clears throat> so much in terms of is this accurate in, 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 in so far as creating the, the sound. I just go for the sounds that I, I sort of uh, gravitate towards and then I try and enhance them as much as I can in the sound, sound design and, and just making, making it pop as best as I can. But I think gen speaking to that, generally with the synthwave genre that this, we sort of came out of, there is a, it's not really how the 80s were, right? It's how we remember the 80s. And I think that's the key. It's it's sort of the uh, Steven Spielberg, John Carpenter version of what we remember. And it, it's, it might not have been, you know, there are a lot of these synths that I, I go back to and some of them don't always sound great. And so that's also fine. I use... Uh, all emulations and soft synths and, and it's all in the box. So I don't have outboard gear and everything. So I'm not trying to be super You're accurate. not using a real Juno. No, not. And so it's, I'm not so worried about that. It's more about how it makes you feel and how it makes me feel in the process. And if it, if it sounds lush and rich and, and warm and punchy or whatever it is you're trying to achieve, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, because it is what ultimately it is what the you're not the whole point of the project isn't some perfect musical replication of that yeah. sound. It's more yeah, it's not, of it's a, not a documentary. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we're not documentary, and we're not uh, you know going back and, and documenting how things sounded. We're we're just making music. It's interesting. You guys formed in 2012, and you met at like a songwriting workshop is that somewhat accurate co-writes co yeah, yeah just a co-write just a songwriting session our, our minders set up dates for us your <laughs> so, minders set up date your people yeah our, our people got put us together yeah yeah 2012 you know that was in the wake of of the drive soundtrack and at the time you have that kind of music and it could have been dismissed as just a trend maybe a year or two but then you have this whole this whole boom on YouTube of synth wave mixes and remixes and stuff being slowed down and vaporwave. And then Stranger Things comes along and gives it another push. So how do you feel like you've kind of ridden that wave of both the internet and YouTube latching onto that music as well as pop culture? It, it feels kind of like we came out of like the Cleveland scene of the 80s or something like that. Like back in the day when rock bands had like a small regional following, that's kind of what Synthwave feels like in the digital age. But instead of uh, it being place-based, it's it's more scene-based. But it's it's nice because it was a, a small enough sort of pond for us to emerge from um, and and basically have enough runway room to learn what we were trying to do as we were doing it. You know, we, we didn't sort of jump initially into mainstream music. We jumped into this little small corner of the internet. It really started as this fun little playground just for me and him. And we really didn't care uh, if anyone even, the, the freedom of no one knowing about you is that you can do whatever you want. No one, there's no expectations. And obviously it's, it's a different place now. And it's, that's part of the fun journey that we get to co-create and co-experience this with these these people that are, you know, kindred spirits that have latched on to this. And uh, it's this whole community, which is beautiful. But yeah, it started as a small thing that we were sort of just doing for us as a, as a freeing, um, as a f freeing exercise. I, I normally don't bring my own 
personal experience and tell anecdotes during this show because it's about the guests. But I am a synth wave, retro wave, vapor wave fan. I put Simpson wave mixes on in the background. I have chill hop radio going on. Oh, you know. me too. Yeah. My dogs love it. I love the visuals. And it's funny how even though you're having it on in the background, you care about having a cool visual to, to look back at. Totally. You know, True. when you have the YouTube window open, what do you think about the whole visual side of this, both the videos that you make and the videos that fans make with your music in them? Yeah, it's so fun to see. I mean, I remember coming across this genre. Uh, this would have been 2010, 11-ish and sort of uh, coming across videos and seeing these videos, people using old movies to these tracks and and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And so in the beginning, I was just trying to make them myself just to have, you know, give people something to share on YouTube and whatever. And now it's such a fan generated scene and community that, you know, people do that on their own volition, which is fantastic to see uh, the day after um, a new single comes out, there's a video um, they took, you know, I, I had used Romeo and Juliet from the 1996 movie uh, as sort of comparing that with the visuals for running out, you know, rolling out the single a few weeks ago on social media. And just this 30 second clip, the day after um, our song Prom Night came out, which is the one we were, we were rolling out, there's a full on video on YouTube uh, with Romeo and Juliet. Someone's edited it and done it. And it's like much better than I could have ever done that sort of, engagement is such a gift for for an artist and performer that that uh that's a big gift for us yeah what do you what do you think about the whole visual side tyler it's really fun to be a creative person professionally because it puts you in close contact with other people who are talented in uh in different mediums like 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 the kid mcgrath hookup like what an amazing dude to like follow and we've <laughs> We've been following his work as well, and we can, you know, hit him up and be like, "Hey, could could you do a lyric video?" Like it just um, it puts us in such close contact with people who are really making amazing things, and that's that's you know three fourths of the perk of doing this job is to be surrounded by that kind of creative talent and spark. And Tyler, where do you get, where do you start with your vocal inspiration? Because singing to these kinds of songs can come off really cheesy. It's a balance because it's not super serious. You're not creating something that's like, you know, political political or something that's like really, really deep musical, musically serious, but yet you don't want to come off as sounding like a like a commercial jingle guy from the eighties. Where do you draw inspiration in terms of, of your vocals? I'm I'm kind of a syncretist in terms of production. I come from the deep south. I was steeped in the, the blues and the gospel and the bluegrass and, and classic songwriting. My dad was a, is, is a country songwriter. Um, and so I, I kind of know how to do one thing fairly well, and that's just write a classical pop song, um, you know, from the 70s or 80s. And so the, the window dressing, the production, the synth world that, that Tim creates around it, I, I view it as just another production choice. So I, I guess I think of it in terms that, that, that it's a delivery method for, for the songs. And I, and I think that, um, you know, Tim thinking about the world in his way and me thinking about the world in my way sort of gives me the freedom not to have to like decide an angle to come, come at it. Am I going to be 
sincere or am I going to be pastiche? You know, is it going to be kind of an act? No, I, I feel like the music gets to Trojan horse, some like very genuine, straightforward, uh, you know, classic American songwriting tropes uh, in, into the world. Tim, I'm curious when you're, when you're putting down, when you're laying down tracks, when you're creating these songs, do you think of it in terms of eras? Because something from 1983 sounds different than something from 1989. When you're making something, do you think this sounds like 82 or this sounds like 91? Like, do you think about eras when, when you're making a song? It definitely triggers, you know, uh, sonic triggers for me and for most people. Uh, I, I think at those triggers and, and, and memories can be very personal. So it could be that I, that some snare drum sound or a bass sound reminds me of a seal song that came out in the early nineties. And that's why my brain goes to the nineties when I'm working on a song. But um, so it could be very, very subjective, but yeah, I think it helps me to root it in somewhat of a direction. Uh, but also I'm not, you know, slavish to, uh, Oh wait, I can't use this song, this sound because it didn't come out till mid nineties. And I'm doing, I'm not so, you know, sort of, uh, tied to the to, to the time period or era but uh, yeah it helps me kind of root it in in somewhat of a uh sort of a niche sound kind of it's fun for me it's a fun exercise do you find that your fans are kind of transgenerational that you have fans in their 40s and fans who are 16 do you do you, do you find that to be true uh, our largest lump of fans is between 26 and 34 which means that um, most of them were only barely alive during the 80s. Um, so we do have a ton of young fans. We have we have a fair number of people who who you know grew up in the 80s, but uh, but most of our fans just just barely touched it, if if at all. But I, I think that there's something kind of utopian about it, um, in that we can all collectively imagine, uh, based on some component parts, what what kind of like a perfect world looks like. I think there's a nostalgia for time periods that you were born in, that you lived through, but you don't remember, you didn't get to experience. You didn't get to experience prom night in 1987. <laughs> no. You know, no, 2004. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, I think that that's right. And I think that, uh, I, I think of it like, uh, like Socrates, you know, myth of the cave. These were all the sounds that were in our, in our heads and, and around us when we were just coming out of the womb. And I think that there's something about how, being born into a certain world, even when you can't remember the specifics, there's a feeling associated with it. That very chorusy guitar and the Lind drums and the, the DX7s, like there's a, it, it creates a very specific kind of, of sonic memory uh, that, that goes beyond sort of our, our analytical brain. I think. I think people are nostalgic in general, especially now. Tyler, uh, you and I are about the same age and we grew up like waiting for the future. We grew up, we like AOL, was when we were little kids and all this kind of stuff. And now the future's here. And I think there's a nostalgia for the time period, for the analog world, for pre-cell phone, pre-internet. I think in the 1980s, there was such a promise, like the future of technology, uh, whether that was the cloning or the or the virtual reality or like all sorts of um, areas of technology. Holograms, were, holograms were really big. Like Holograms were huge. Um, I, I feel like we have sort of, in in the year 2020, sort of actualized a lot of the dreams of the 80s, and it's not made everything better. It's made everything kind of scarier. 
with with the AI, the black box, you know, like it was interesting when it was T2, but now, you know, there's a real question about the singularity and, and whether the, the machines are, are, you know, are really going to follow orders from the computer programmers. Everything was a little bit simpler and there was a much bigger sort of optimism and idealism associated with technology than there, than there is now with the, the, the Twitter wars and Facebook and, uh, you know, and, and sort of what the internet has turned into you know, 30 years later. Right. The darkness was not part of the promise. That's, that's probably it. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's actually what we should call the next album. <laughs> yeah. Kids, your last album in 2018 was a big success. And you're, when it comes time to write and to put it together, a new album, how do you go about making something that sounds consistent with that synth wave sound, but yet offers something different? That's been specifically on this uh, album, Monsters has been, was the big challenge because I think this was the album I wanted to broaden the, the sonic palette a bit. And, uh, you know, mainly for us to give us more creative space and I think a bit more, um, give myself a bit more creative room to maneuver um, so it doesn't get stale and, and doesn't have to just follow in its own footsteps. And also, push the envelope a little bit on on the whole synthwave genre because you know just as a creative person as a producer i want to have a broad palette to play with i want to be able to have that freedom and so if i'm just it was it was a tricky thing to have to reinvent a rolling bass and you know a four to the floor kind of outrun beats every time for every album and, and and there's a fun in that but it's also it needs to evolve so this album was definitely hard, the hardest one to do just from a production standpoint uh, to thread that needle. And I think now we're in a place where I, I feel a lot more creative freedom, but I feel like it sets us up to kind of go anywhere we feel like, which is uh, which was the goal I was trying to do. So yeah, this one was tricky. And the new album, there is a little bit, there is some more modern drums, some more hip hop for lack of a better term, sounding drums. Yeah, a lot of inspiration from lo-fi and, you know, hip-hop and... The chill-hop stuff. Chill-hop stuff, exactly. Lo-fi, you know, uh, it's a lot of stuff I listen to. And uh, and it's that thing, it's that it gets down to a very basic thing. And does a kick need to have a lot of click in it, like the 80s, like a Lindrum kick? Does it need to be a splashy snare? Sometimes I want to have less have that take up less space so i can leave room for tyler's voice and it's little things like that and i don't want to be hampered in yeah you gotta leave room for tyler's voice <laughs> exactly otherwise he slaps me yeah just, yeah we don't want any like you know. yeah um i'm just suddenly i'm nostalgic for vh1 behind the music and <laughs> oh man yeah now you do have some sax how do you guys feel about saxophone as an instrument in this kind of world Great. Oh, the elephant in the room. <laughs> the old sax <laughs> question. Why we use it so much? <laughs> I, I think live, it's become a different. Like our our feelings about it have have changed after. Really, we didn't start playing shows consistently until 2018. Um, to see the power that the saxophone gives to a live setting, it's just so raw and so present, and there's nowhere to hide. It is so upfront some of i think the peak moments in our shows are with the saxophone from a production standpoint on the record um you know it can go a thousand different ways but i think it's a, a sound that we want to keep integrating into our into our records you know when it makes sense because it's such an important part of our live set 
hopefully at some point we get real live shows. You guys did some killer. You guys did some shows with Time Cop 1983. Um, yeah, enjoy. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, how would you describe the live the the live show experience that you guys put on? A lot of synthwave acts do things a little differently. Sometimes it's more in the DJ world. Sometimes more the, the microphone karaoke world. Um, it's really hard to recreate such a full sort of sonic landscape. Um, and that was a challenge that we initially uh, felt when trying to, to to go live. So a lot of our, a lot of the sound is still uh, track based, um, but we have live since we have live guitar and we have live saxophone um we had a second guitar and bass player on the last run um and i think you know once we can tour again we'll, we'll maybe have tim on live drums but um we're trying to figure out hacks to kind of be able to make things live and organic um that that we currently have buried in the track we're, we're trying to start from the the track and then make everything as live as possible Synthwave is such a sort of do-it-yourself genre, and a lot of people are just, you know, bedroom producers uh, and just doing it. And so it's not really a possibility for people to kind of show up with a huge bang and have that full rich sound. You just sometimes you have to have it running on track. And it, because it seamlessly comes from the sort of Ableton DJ world, uh, it's, it's a natural uh, transition into just grabbing a mic. But we're trying to thread a needle and make it feel bigger and, and but also, and putting on a show, but also with, with a limited budget as we've been an independent band for you know since we started up until now where do you, i know the album just came out but where do you where do you want to go next with the band musically i i'd like to take this one um do it. Do I, it. i've been using the uh the the time at home within the pandemic to uh get into modular synthesis and to get into really ambient um you know vangelis What's that? Vangelis kind of stuff. Um, yes, and much more. Um, a lot of a lot of very ambient guitar stuff, like um, feed, feedback delays, things like that, creating really weird glitches, reverses, things like that. I want to get into um, I, I like sonic artifacts that are that are analog and that do sound organic. The the paradox that um, I'm seeing diving into this world of modular synthesis is the the more complicated and digital or, or like um the more crap you add on the more um organic and lifelike things can sound and so i'm i'm interested in in honing my chops enough to be able to i don't know to add some some cool bloops and bleeps with a lot of character i i don't know where tim's going but i'm i'm stoked to like i uh, love this this is great yeah i feel like i've interloped into a band meeting yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I just finished a production course yesterday, so I'm 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 brimming with ideas. Are you trying to kick Tim out and make him? No, God, no, no. I'm trying oh, to. That'd be great. I can pick a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to make serviceable demos for Tim because we are we are now uh, living across the country from one another. So um, it's it's much easier to start with something uh, rather than nothing. Tim, when you're thinking of an album. Do you think of do you think of the music in terms of how will this sound over an entire album, or are you thinking about how will this sound as a YouTube video or as a single? You know, the cohesiveness of an album versus individual songs. Both, hundred percent, both. You you know you you come at it from in, individual songs, uh, and depending on if you're thinking of a song as a single, you want that to work as a <clears throat> as an individual release and. 
also, you know, get to this point where we're sort of thinking like, okay, how will this sound when we play it live? Oh, this will feel great. Or will this work in terms of if someone comes across us on, on a playlist on Spotify? Um, that's really when for singles, but then you, then the individual tracks, they make up the sort of the, uh, the tapestry of the album. And that's where the overarching kind of sound and story and narrative comes in. And I think that's, it's it's a it's a balance because there has to be you know you, you got the freedom to to you know some tracks like you said um uh like dream away is a very kind of weird vibe <laughs> you know yeah. and it's i don't know if that's synth way but i'm i'm i don't really care about it yeah. but uh but then it's it sort of ties in with other elements in the record and so there are all triggers the cliche with any kind of band especially a band with a very specific sound is that you get tired of the label. Are you tired of the label synthwave because you've kind of pushed past it in some respects? You've expanded upon it. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> we didn't know we had that. But we, we want to be able to, to push the boundaries, not load them. You know, we, we want to kind of grow in all directions. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think any of us worry too much about being called synthwave or not synthwave, or it's not really... Uh... I don't see it as a, as as our job to tell people what we are. It's people can make you know, figure out what how, how they view us and what what they like about us or not like about us. It's I'm not so in, I'm not so worried about genres. Uh, just about how you know how you feel when you listen to the music. I think it's just really fun to be involved in a community that has multiple platforms. You don't just listen to it on Spotify or SoundCloud. You watch the visuals. You have people commenting on it. I'm sure you get fan art occasionally besides the videos and things like that. So just talk about, I'm just curious about how you feel about being part of this whole world. Um, it's, it's been an education for me because I'm, you know, started in the band as just a folk singer songwriter. But in the last couple of years, uh, really in the last year and a half, I, I've decided to become more engaged, especially with the local synthwave acts here in Atlanta. Had a lot of uh, pre-pandemic uh, coffees and, and meals with other synthwave producers. And it's amazing. It's kind of the perfect bedroom or garage band sort of genre right now because uh the the recording technology just makes it so easy to use as long as you sort of understand how a bass works and how these sorts of bass sounds work with with this and how to put the pad in like you can do it at every level you can do it very simply anyway i think it's just a super supportive community because nobody is you know minus maybe muse um, nobody's coming at it from the very top of the music industry. It's mostly a DIY sort of thing. And everybody's very supportive. And the people that are attracted to it are generally like very engaged enthusiasts. And so that's why, you know, sonically, we can branch out and go all sorts of different directions. But I, I always want our heart um, to sort of be among these these people, you know, making cool, weird stuff in their bedrooms. And I think that that's, you know, there's there's the sound of Synthwave, but there are also the people of Synthwave. And um, it's a hugely supportive community, and I, I love those guys dearly. All right, well, that's all I have for you guys. I really appreciate your time. And uh, the album sounds amazing, and congratulations on that. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks for having us on. This was super fun. Mm-hmm. 
It's Real with Jordan Edwards. It's presented by PopDust. Go to popdust.com for the latest in pop culture, music, and entertainment. And you can find me at jordanedwardsstudio.com or on Instagram at jordanedwardsstudio.com.